to another episode of Every Mom Needs a Friend. I'm pumped to say that we're sitting in the new house. So happy. Now, if you know anything about my personality, you know that this is chaos and I don't love chaos. In fact, there is just so much stuff everywhere that my mind and my mental capacity I just can't believe I'm actually putting out an episode this week. We have been working from dawn to dusk and it's been so fruitful and that I actually am seeing progress, but it is so exhausting and it's tough with kids underfoot. But let's jump into today's episode. Today's message is all about being kind to your future self. And this has slowly become one of my overused catchphrases because I worry a lot about being ahead of the game, kind of almost to the detriment of myself just living in the moment. So today I'll unpack that and I hope y'all resonate with it, but I also want to be sure to plug the Instagram here because I'm doing my best to keep y'all updated there with moving and PJ pictures. So definitely be sure to hop over to the Instagram at every mom needs a friend, but let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. So I hope y'all enjoy. Okay, so what is this concept of being kind to your future self? It's a phrase that I say a lot. I don't know who the person was that originally said this phrase to me, but it definitely resonated with me in the sense that I feel like part of the reason I work so hard to plan my life and be so organized around certain things to kind of put in the effort ahead of it is so that in the moment I can go, oh, thank you, past tense, Anna. I appreciate it. But so when you're talking about this idea of being kind to your future self, there's different ways that we all do it. We all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses, we all have our blind spots. And so there's areas where I definitely pay it forward and be kind to my future self. And so for today, I'm going to talk about the seven ways that I am kind to my future self. I'm going to start off right off the bat with the hardest one, I feel like, especially in light of New Year's resolutions, and that's working out. And I kind of added on taking your vitamins. That is an aspect of something that you don't see the benefit of it in that day. You might release some sort of endorphin high. I know for me, I do love the ending of a workout and knowing, oh, I just did that. Wow, great. But also you don't see any benefits of like, I would say tangible results in yourself unless you're working day after day after day. And that's just kind of a hard concept. And it's so easy to, you know, take a day off. Obviously, we all go through that. But taking your vitamins as well, is just one of those things. And again, no medical doctor advice here. But taking your vitamins, it's one of those things that you take it one day and you're totally not going to be, I would say the best, the healthiest version of yourself. But it's one of those things that you're kind of supposed to do as you get older. I feel like it's the 30 year old pressure to be like, okay, am I taking my vitamins? Am I working out? Am I doing all the things that I'm supposed to do for my future self? But enough about that. I will say number two is a fun one because it makes sense for me in the sense that I love it. It's easy, but it's definitely something that takes effort and pre-thought, and that's investing in your marriage through date nights. Y'all know that I talk about this a lot on the podcast, and it's something that is super important for my marriage and something that we do tangibly do a lot. And it really could be taken a step further of what are you doing on these date nights? Is it life-giving? And for us, it's all about conversation and connecting with each other mentally. And I know that um, y'all might be more like a physical component, LOL, but in the sense that like maybe you like to go on walks together, that can be your quote-unquote date nights. Or even for us, we do like to go up to our club and we can put the girls in the kids zone and be able to work out together or hit tennis balls together or something like that. But investing in your marriage 
takes time and it takes pre-thought and it takes maybe the uncomfortable conversation at the beginning of the week and saying, what time are you going to be home this week? Because we really need to make sure we're getting out on that Thursday night so we can get back at a good time so we're not staying out too late. Maybe this is just Anna talking, but also could be you. I don't know. But let's jump to the next one. So number three, call your (laughs) mother-in-law. If my mother-in-law is listening, I love you. You're great. I think it's one of those things that when in any new relationship, you really want to make movements and get to grow closer, you have to put in time. And I'm calling this calling your mother-in-law because when you're newly married, and I know that most of y'all that are listening are married, but if you aren't married, when you're newly married, you're kind of jumping into this other person's family taking on their traditions, taking on all aspects, good and bad, of their family. And so remembering that your in-laws are a wildly important relationship. And there's all the cliches about mother-in-law, monster-in-law. I will say that I think that is kind of in the eye of the beholder. So I feel like if you want to take it all negative and see it as a task to get to know your in-laws and have to invest in them, maybe you shouldn't be getting married because with the concept of joining together as one, you're taking that whole side of them. And I will pause, obviously, because I don't want to spend this whole time prefacing, but I think it is important to say that there's a lot of different relationship situations and there's a lot of different family ties. There's a lot of different family baggage, you could say. And so I really don't want y'all to focus too much on the mother-in-law, except for that I will say when I got married, my mom said, hey, One thing that you can do, pretty much the concept of being kind to your future self, is call your mother-in-law once a week. I don't know if y'all are gasping out there, but it's something that I did very intentionally, and then it's moved into this very easy, oh yeah, I'm just going to call KK, my mother-in-law. It's not a big deal, and it didn't become a task. It was, in fact, something I looked forward to, and it's a great way to nurture that relationship, get to know your mother-in-law as the mother of your sweet, sweet husband. But like I said, not to over-preface, maybe you don't have a mother-in-law, maybe you're not married yet. Really, the idea is if you want to get to know someone, if you want to be close with someone, you got to take the time to text them, call them, invest in their lives, ask them questions, keep up to date on what they're doing. And I feel like pot calling the kettle black because sometimes I haven't done a great job of this in the past, but y'all just call your mother-in-law. Okay, let's move on to the next one. So this one is cliche. I think all the skincare fanatics out there, all the 30-year-olds who are kind of, like I said, hitting that time in their life where they're like, I gotta start taking vitamins. Okay, also, we should all be moisturizing. We should all be putting on the SPF every day. I will say for myself, y'all might know this already about me, I am a big proponent of fake tanning and call that what you want. And I know, again, there's a lot of different skin types out there. And so it might not be for you. And that's totally fine. Whatever the color of your skin is, is absolutely stunning and beautiful. And you should find ways to feel beautiful in your skin. But I think it is a universal fact that we should all be putting on SPF and moisturizer every day, not just for the vanity aspect of the wrinkles and stuff like that, because I actually think aging is quite beautiful. But I think that it's one of those things where, especially when it comes to SPF, just I can think about all the people in my family who have all those melanoma, those cancer spots. And it's just, it's like, why did we do all the tanning beds? Why did we put the baby oil on when we were tanning outside? I feel like this generation is a little better about it or at least I'd say my generation's a little better about it, but I am saying that I am not above and I will not be posting this, but in high school, y'all, I was a lifeguard and I did not wear sunscreen almost ever. And I, my skin just would like 
be so dry and leathery at the end of the season. It wouldn't be like I'd look at myself and be like, wow, look at you, goddess. No, y'all, <laughs> it was bad at the end. And like I said, I'm going to hold back on posting pictures, but there are pictures that I'm like, who was that person? It doesn't even look like me. <laughs> so, okay, but I got to move on. Next easy one. I feel like it's one of those classic ones. Like I can think in college of all the speakers I would listen to, they would all talk about making your bed every day. So ways to be kind to your future self. When you get into a tightly made bed at the end of the night, don't you feel better? When you get into a bed that's messy, when you put your legs down and the sheets are all wobbly wibbly, it's not the same feeling of, oh, pulling that fresh sheet out. It might not have even been washed that day, like a clean sheet, but the sense that it's tight and you're pulling it back and you're sticking your legs and it's all nice and crisp. Y'all, that is an unmatched feeling. I've talked about it when I come home from a trip. It is so important that I get into a made bed, but this is kind of the, you know, being kind to your future self. Your future self might just be eight hours from now. And so making your bed is something that is sweet for you and your husband or you together make it. Just somebody needs to make the bed in the morning. And okay, let's move on to the next one. So I asked Christopher before I recorded today, what are some things that you think I do to be kind to my future self? He agreed with almost everything I said um, in that I wanted to make sure for y'all to know that there's a lot of ways you can be kind to your future self. These are just ways that I, kind of without thinking, this is just ingrained in Anna, this is on brand for Anna, ways that I pay it forward to my future self. I'm kind to my future self. One of the things he said, and it's so ridiculous, it made me like grin from ear to ear, is he said, oh, foundational planning, which I was like, wow, I love just that phrase, like everything about it sounds right for me. But really he talked about that. What he loves about me is that I take the pressure off the daily conversations of what are we doing today? What makes sense for today? What are we going to have for dinner? And we sit down, either if it's sometimes on a weekly basis, sometimes on a monthly basis, sometimes at the beginning of the year to talk about the year ahead. And we sit down and we plan things out. And it's one of those where he comes a little my way. I don't go probably his way at all. I am a hyper planner. And it's something that he growing up grew up in a family that was less of a planning family. And so it was such an uncomfortable conversation for him at first. And I remember being like, I don't understand why you are pushing back so hard at this planning conversation. But I will say that after many, many years, we're celebrating 10 years this year, Christopher has found so many sweet opportunities to tell me, Anna, thank you for planning this out. Thank you for being so organized. Thank you for being ahead of the game. And it, it is just the sweetest thing. It makes me feel so seen and so loved. But it's not just as big as when we're going on big trips. And y'all know I have notes upon notes upon notes on my phone. And I have lists upon lists upon lists. And so the morning of, I have a morning of pack list. So the things you throw in last minute so that we don't have to use our brain. Yes, I could talk about that for like a whole nother hour, but I won't. He loves that I do that. But also I think it's really sweet that at the end of the night when we've had maybe a dinner with a family, we've invited a family over, had their kids, you know, cooked the meals, done all the things. And then we've had, you know, a crazy chaotic house because all the kids get out all the toys and all the things. We get in a bed and Christopher goes, thank you for planning this. Thank you for setting this up. And so I, I really wanted to call this like set up the family dinners with others because it is important, y'all. It's important to invite families over for dinner. And I will say I'm the first one that at the beginning of the day, when I know we have a family dinner at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I got to get the house clean. I got to make sure I'm cooking during nap time, this and that. 
that whatever I'm doing to make sure that I'm hosting with the best intentions, it's just a little hard sometimes. There's some days where I'm like, oh, I wish we could just reschedule. Like I would love at the end of the night, just have a simple dinner with my family and get down and cuddle on the couch. But it is so, so important to invite families over for dinner. Again, I could talk about this for a whole hour. Maybe I will spring this off into a different episode because I am passionate about inviting other families over for dinner and really being as intentional as here's the 10 people I want to get to know and I'm going to invite this first person over for this week, next person next week, and so on and so forth. And just get in the habit of inviting families over for dinner. And as biblical as it sounds, breaking bread together really does create a deeper sense of community between each other. And I really think that Christopher relies on this type of thing because at work, he's not having all these friendship experiences. And I get to go to church. I get to invite friends over during the day. And so for him, those are the moments that he gets to sit down with a guy friend um, with a, you know, probably a glass of bourbon, I would say. And he gets to unpack his day and talk with a guy friend. And he kind of relies on me to set those things up. I really am the planner of the family. So foundational planning is being kind to your future self because it's kind of working through some of the ugly details ahead of time so that when the day comes, you're like, oh, this is great. These are things I had to do before now. But before I kind of keep tangenting and talking and talking and talking, I would like to jump to my last one and it is just very topical, very for me right now. Um, (laughs) And ways that Anna is kind to her future self is pumping. So y'all know I have my sweet little poppy Jean who is three, almost four months, and we've had a pretty easy, I would say, go at breastfeeding. And it was not as easy with Kate, my middle child, but it has all been really sweet that I've been able to have this opportunity to do this. And I will be the first to say that some parts of it is a choice. There are women that are able to breastfeed that choose to not to that's totally fine. There are people that want to breastfeed that can't. I feel sorry because I know that that is really a tough headspace, but at the end of the day, y'all, fed is best, and that is something I am so fine with because for my oldest, my sweet Ellie, she was easy peasy, and we found a rhythm, and I pumped every day, and I breastfed the other times, and It was something that I did up until almost a year. With Kate, it was shockingly, drastically different. And that was awesome. And I was able to switch to formula. And that was beautiful because it gave me another aspect of how feeding can be so familial. Christopher, my parents, Christopher's parents, everyone got to partake in it. And that was really beautiful. And then for PJ, right now we're in a good flow, but I just don't know what the future holds for us. And so right now I am able to pump and that's something that I've incorporated into my almost daily, if not every other day. And I don't know if y'all out there are rolling your eyes, scoffing or cheering me on. I will say pumping is just not fun. I don't know a better way to say it. I don't enjoy it. I can say there's probably two positive things about it. The first one is that obviously you're able to provide a bottle for a future use. And that's even saying, does your kid take a bottle? So that's first and foremost a difficulty, but you have to put in the effort ahead of time and pump. But I will also say there is women out there, and I would say even for this with Ellie, I was able to see my output, if that makes sense. And so I was able to see how much was she taking. And that was so mentally helpful for me, if that makes sense. But it took the act of pumping. That isn't the same thing as holding a sweet little baby and getting to feed them from you, if that makes sense. And so pumping all the little parts and the feeling of it is just like super uncomfortable. Like if you've never pumped before, just you can probably assume that it's not the most comfortable experience. 
but there's a lot of women out there who do it multiple times a day because maybe they're at a workplace or this is the best way that makes sense for them and their child. And I think that's absolutely amazing. I think before I over preface the H-E-L-L out of this, there's just no wrong way to do it except for not feeding your child. (laughs) But pumping is a way that I am kind to my future self because currently right now, Poppy takes a bottle great. And so our wonderful babysitter does an awesome job of giving a bottle. And so that relinquishes time periods that Christopher and I can invest in our marriage through date nights. And not to say that bringing Poppy is really that big of a deal. She's actually a very settled baby, as I've said before. But just that mental separation of me and my children and being able to just be with Christopher for periods of time is absolutely beautiful. I will also say, y'all know this, and I'm so pumped. I'm going to the IF gathering, IF gathering. I've talked about this before. There's actually an episode that was released early last year, I would say, that talked about the IF gathering. It's a women's conference in Dallas. And I'm so pumped, so excited to say that me and my mom are going to be going down to the IF gathering, joining my sister-in-law and a couple other friends, and I am not bringing a single child. I will literally just get to have a sweet girls weekend with some of my girlfriends, with my mom, and I am looking forward to it. But y'all, it is going to take a lot of pre-pumping because right now Poppy is breastfed, But also, I am totally fine with mixing in some formula because right now her stomach can handle that. And so it's going to be such an amazing experience for me to get to be completely focused on just connecting with God that weekend, having some delicious dinners in Dallas. So before I go any further, I'll say if you're going to If Gathering and you're listening to this, please send me a direct message because I would love to see y'all meet up and maybe to worship alongside of you. So... All that being said, that was my point about pumping. Did I say enough? (laughs) And I want to end it with a really sweet just concept that I want to unpack just really lightly. um, And that is this idea of life is short, enjoy it. And so this point of being kind to your future self is sometimes meaning just live in your present day's excitement or it could be toughness. But burning the candles, opening the champagne, they're so important to do because I don't know if y'all are like me, but I tend to hold on to my candles. I'm like, oh, thank you for this candle that you just gifted me. And I go set it on a shelf in a closet or put it in a drawer. And I'm like, my favorite candles I never get out because I'm like, oh, I want to save it for a very important time. But (laughs) it is one of those things I'm trying to not do because I love the smell of candles and I get it that they're money. And I love the gift of getting a candle but if they sit in a drawer what's the point and to an extent I feel like maybe even the scent gets less and less if they're sitting in a drawer because over time it's going to diminish I think I don't know I'm not a candle expert but I tend to have like a drawer of my favorite candles that I never light and so what I've been trying to do is for literally no reason maybe it's just that I clean the kitchen but maybe it's not I just want to light a candle, light a candle in my bathroom when I have a friend come over or just light a candle for myself. Even when Christopher travels, it's like, who am I lighting this for? Well, I'll light it for myself. Also open the champagne. So for me, I'm a big purple Prosecco fan, which is the Costco brand Prosecco. It's a purple bottle. I would say it's not like top of the line Prosecco, but it's not really breaking the bank in the slightest. And I do love the taste of bubbles and it's just such an interesting thing because I feel like you can't really open a bottle of champagne and keep it for five days. You really shouldn't open any bottle of wine and probably keep it for five days, but obviously the champagne goes flat. And so 
even though I don't want to be wasteful, I do want to enjoy the champagne when I want to open the champagne. So if I have a friend coming over for The Bachelor, yeah, I'm going to pop the champagne. But it makes me think about the verse in the Bible that says, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. (laughs) I actually first thought that was from like a Shakespeare play, but come to find out it obviously is in the Bible. And at first glance, I feel like it's kind of this YOLO message where, you know, enjoy the moment, drink all the wine, do all the things. And to an extent, obviously, like check your heart, y'all. But I feel like in reality, the writer is realizing the meaningless of the momentary pleasures and is in fact saying somewhat the opposite of what we're all thinking. So I'm really trying to find that really good tension, that really good balance between enjoying God's blessings and not taking them for granted, but also being present-minded of what God does have in store for me today and really not to worry about tomorrow. And so I was like, oh, I know that there's a verse for that. So I looked it up because this is a great verse and it kind of reminds me of my high school quote. We've talked about this before, but anyway, the verse is Matthew 6, 34, and it's, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. And don't you want to give a amen, amen, amen? I mean, if you have small kids, amen, amen, amen. I feel like there's just so many things that my mind is constantly rattled about when it comes to future things. Like I'm thinking about Ellie in kindergarten, like what's that going to be like? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. But there's enough trouble for me. And I know that there's some things I have to do ahead of time. Like I just said, being kind to your future self, but there's also this really cool element of just being like, I'm going to just enjoy today, enjoy this moment, enjoy my kids, enjoy this experience. I'm just currently existing in. And for me right now with moving, that's really hard to say because there's always work to be done, but also there's always work to be done. So I'll leave y'all with that. Okay, what do y'all think? This is just one of those episodes that are straight from my core and I'm always interested if y'all resonate with my thoughts. So please be sure to check out the Instagram and send me your thoughts, send me a DM. Let me know if you even like these type of episodes. I feel like I could have talked for a whole episode on each individual point. So I really did my best to just cut myself off. So y'all are welcome for a more concise episode. And y'all have told me that you kind of like those better anyway. But before we close, let's do a fun big question, although out of order because it's at the end. But my big question for you today goes off of today's episode and it's one, two, three. So do you make your bed every day? (laughs) Do you make your bed every day? I just wonder because I feel like the 90s kids were expected to do this. But in the same vein, I really don't force my girls to make their beds even though I feel like I should, y'all. I just feel like when Belle goes to kindergarten, that will be a good time to start enforcing it. Also, have y'all ever heard of those bed sheets that are like zippered on the sides so you can easily make them? We have one set on one of the beds and I'm just a little hooked and I love how nice it makes the bed look and it's definitely easy for a little kid to kind of zip up and make them feel like they made the bed. I will say though, it's pretty spendy, so I just don't know. I will be sure to tag them on the Instagram so you can see the brand that does it. But with that, I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode and I'm pumped about next week's episode. It's gonna be really good. So make sure you tune in. Love y'all mucho, mucho, mucho. Okay, bye.